Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good, because He is faithful and good. Think about it, 2020 has turned many of our lives upside down, so who couldn't use a major dose of hope? I'd like to ask you to share this podcast with friends or on your social media outlets and perhaps review it on Apple so others will find this podcast easily. Every Wednesday, I'll be chatting with a friend who I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 8.28 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey. Two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and sprinkled in along the way will be additional Romans 828 stories from our She Writes for Him bootcamp graduates and others the Lord brings my way. So let's get started. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am super excited to introduce you all to two new Redemption Press authors. During the first half of the podcast, you'll meet Jim McConnell, author of The Never-Ending Joys of Parenting. And in the second half, you'll meet Don Bordreau, author of Vietnam and Christianity. Both men have an amazing Romans 828 story to share. So first things first, let me introduce you to our first guest. Jim McConnell grew up in the Pacific Northwest in Boise, Idaho, Pocatello, Longview, Washington, Spokane, Aberdeen, and Yakima. He earned a BA in math education from Northwest Nazarene University and an MS in counseling psychology from Central Washington University. Jim taught math for eight years along with several other subjects and then served as a high school counselor in Camas, Washington for 34 years. Writing through 2020, Jim published his first book, The Never-Ending Joys of Parenting, Adopting and Fostering Kids. Jim and June make their home in Vancouver, Washington, and now enjoy being grandparents. That is the best job. For more information, you can visit jimmcconnellbooks.com. So let's go ahead and roll that conversation. So Jim, it has been uh, a while we've been trying to make this work to get you onto the All Things Podcast, and finally we did it. So welcome. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yes, welcome, welcome. So we're going to start out with your, uh, or your favorite, let's say that because we all have many situations in our lives where God works all things together for good. So share with us so our listeners can kind of get a sneak peek into your life, how God has worked something that didn't seem good, but he has worked good out of it. Like you said, I have many stories and that is my life's verse, Romans 8, 28. The first thing that comes to my mind is when I got married, my wife and I were uh, planning to have a, a family. She came from a family of eight children, and I came from a family of three. So we knew we wanted kids. We both uh, worked with children and loved what we did. 
And when we decided to start our family, it wasn't working. So we tried a number of things, eventually went to uh, medical doctors to get some help and found no help. Eventually, we discovered that we were not able to have children. So both of us were really sad. We went through a time of grieving. And along the way, I think God planted the idea of foster care. Some uh, circumstances in our life happened. So we did all the, jumped through all the hoops to become foster parents and started that way. And then came to the point where an opportunity came for my wife that one of her employees didn't want the child she had. So she asked June if she wanted to adopt. So the blessings of adoption, and then we adopted multiple kids and we continued to do foster care. Those experiences we never would have had had we not gone through the grief and the sadness of losing our ability to have biological children. And it's turned out to be a, a blessing and we've been able to help many other people because of it. I love that. I love how, you know, he, we have one plan and we are just sure this is the way he's going to do it. And he does it a totally different way. And people get ministered to by it. And we're like, huh, God is pretty, <laughs> he is faithful. It need to do to work good out of, you know, just some dark moments in our lives. He is. And it took me a while to figure out that he's got a better idea than I do. But after a few decades, it kind of kicked in and I saw, okay, my plans uh, sound pretty good to me, but God has better plans. Amen. Amen. So tell me a little bit about your upbringing and your early family life. My dad was a hardworking businessman. He would work uh, 50, 60 hours a week, and he provided well for us. He would often say, we have the most average family in America, three kids and a dog, and we'd move every few years. So I grew up in a, a good family. My parents stayed married for over 60 years, so they were a good example for us. And First of all, I can tell you I was brainwashed by my parents. I didn't have a choice. I was going to go to college. I started saving money as a kindergartner for college, even though I didn't know what it was. <laughs> so what was your career, and then how did you decide on it? Sounds like they had their idea of what you were going to do and how you were going to do it. So what ended up happening with your career path? I was wondering, I knew I had some strengths in science and loved the subjects of science. My senior year, near the end of the year, our physics teacher sat us down and for the first time ever, he sat on his desk and talked to us in a way that was different. And he said something that struck with me. He said, anybody earning an A in this physics class owes it to your country to become an engineering physicist. And I thought, okay, I guess I just heard what I'm supposed to do with my life. So I went to college with a physics major. And over the year, my first year of college, discovered 
I wasn't all that interested in doing that for a career. So I actually struggled with God for a while. And my sophomore year, he won the struggle. I felt called into teaching and I became a math teacher. Wow. Well, that's quite a jump from the earlier career path to being a math teacher. Sure. Um, It didn't fit what I wanted. So again, God had a different plan. I wanted to do something that I didn't have to work with people. I could make a lot of money and I have a a good uh, career and work anywhere. But he directed me into teaching and I've never looked back. That's been such a blessing working with kids. So I'm really glad God's idea. Well, and he made it so I could do it. Yeah, and it dovetails so well with just your your parenting and foster kids. And I mean, just I love how the two really, I mean, the gifting that you have in teaching spills over into raising kids. It does. And I didn't think that through when I was in college or even my first year, few years of teaching, but God has made it really clear that he wanted me to work with kids my whole life. Mm, I love that. So since you weren't a professional writer, what prompted you to write your book on the never-ending joys of parenting? In 2015, I was working as a high school counselor, and I felt I was going to be doing that for a long, a lot more time. God planted this very strange idea for me to write a book about our family because it was pretty unusual to have over a dozen foster kids and to adopt as many kids as we did. So I thought, yeah, maybe I'll do that after I retire. Well, circumstances came up, and after 42 years of working in education, I did retire and then brought that idea back to writing a book, even though I didn't really know a lot about what how to do it. And it was another way God intervened in my life, and I've seen that so many times over the years. But um, after I'd retired, about six months into it, I'd written a few things on pieces of paper, and I bumped into this lady that I did not know, and my wife just made a comment about me thinking about writing a book. And she said, oh, have you heard about this writer's group in Vancouver? No, I haven't. Well, it's really helped me. I'm going to invite you to come. And so monthly for the last four years, I have met with a group of writers, and it has really helped me. And then working with Redemption Press, finally was able to get a book published, and I'm really happy with it. And I'm hoping it'll help parents, and especially people interested in adopting or foster parenting, but I think there's some help in there for any parent. Mm, amen. So, so tell our listeners about your book, just kind of how you put it together, what some of the topics that you shared that you feel will really resonate and and provide a resource for for parents? The book is just very personal. It's about our journey and adopting kids, foster parenting, how it came about, some things we learned along the way, what God has done. I've written a book so both Christians and non-Christians can gain from it. 
But the topics are parenting, adopting, foster parenting, child rearing, special needs, loss and grief, which we experienced that a great deal, and a whole area that I didn't know existed before adoption was fetal alcohol syndrome and helping students and children with special needs, working with DSHS, the foster system, and caseworkers. So we learned a lot along the way, and we've been able to help other people. It's been a real eye-opener. Well, the yeah, the whole fetal alcohol syndrome, and what's the, there's a name for kind of what happens when a child goes through trauma and like their brain is kind of washed with some chemical. Did you ever have that experience where you were having to deal with children who, because of trauma, their their emotional growth was stunted? If we have about five hours, I could give you a couple examples, but <laughs> we don't. So a lot of my counseling in high school as a public school counselor I dealt with students who'd gone through trauma and who'd been damaged in the womb because of drug use and alcohol use. And I got to see it firsthand with some of my children. There are growth and developmental deficiencies, nervous system damage, and the kind of specific problems. It's really fascinating to me that alcohol does more damage than all the other drugs put together. Wow. You wouldn't think that, but it actually stops the formation of fetal tissue. So cells don't grow the way that they should, especially the nervous system is heavily affected by alcohol. So children who birth mom drink often have sensory deficits. They can't hear or see as well. And they have tactile issues, which I had a son who really had some interesting tactile issues. Sometimes he would just want people to hug him and he rubbed his hands all over him. And other times he couldn't stand physical contact. Wow. One third of all children with fetal alcohol syndrome have heart heart defects. And we had one of our sons with a heart defect. And thank goodness for good health insurance because his heart surgery cost us over a half a million dollars. And that was paid for. So if you think about how many kids in America have parents, a birth mom who drank, and how many of them since one-third kids with FAS have heart defects, what kind of damage that's doing in our society. Um, Kids with FAS have lower IQ typically, learning disabilities, ADHD, sometimes a deficiency in math, and there's a high correlation of mental illness with people with FAS. So it's really sad to see that. Part of both my wife and I, our passion is to help educate people on how dangerous this simple little chemical of alcohol is in the forming tissue of a baby. Right. And I would think foster children, probably a pretty high majority of them have some of those issues. I would think that it's kind of common. I could 
I can tell you're a smart person. I don't know if you've read about this, but absolutely, the much higher percentage of foster kids have drug or alcohol prenatal damage. So they will have all the typical symptoms, mood swings, which are much more severe than regular kids, defensiveness, lying was a huge problem we dealt with in our family. And all kids lie once in a while, but it just is a very common trait with kids with fetal alcohol syndrome, including confabulation, which is not a term that a lot of people know, but where memories get messed up and kids hear something, uh, talk to a friend, see a movie, and then at some point in their life, they think that's part of their life. So they will report incidences that didn't happen, but their wow. brain thinks it did. Wow. So learning disabilities and mental illness are very common with foster kids. So it takes, I mean, really, if someone feels like God is calling them into that type of ministry, which really... I would kind of call it that because it's lots of extra grace and compassion required. Um, I appreciate what you just said. And I agree that it helped us because we felt called to do that. However, anybody can be a foster parent or adoptive parent if they love kids and they will find a way to get the help they need. Yeah. which we learned a whole lot about the systems that are out there to help kids like that. And the school districts are doing much better than they did 30 years ago at understanding disabilities and providing help. Kids with either fetal alcohol damage or drug-affected kids, they're going to need more help during their lifetime. Yeah. And I... I don't want to dwell so much on those negative things that the kids have to deal with. I, I will say it's a blessing to raise kids. And I loved working with kids at school that struggled. And I loved my own kids. And all of them struggled in various areas. Well, and it's, you know, when you've got those kind of extra struggles on top of just normal struggles of growing up and parenting that really gives God a chance to you know I mean really show up and show off in just you know help giving us what we need to be able to parent in some of those are really difficult situations to navigate I would guess and having written a book like this you're trying to provide that kind of just help so that they have a better idea of what to expect and what some of the challenges are and some of the different resolutions. Absolutely. We learned a whole lot by the seat of our pants along the way, read books, went to conferences, and God just brought groups of people to us right when we needed it. So I could, like I said, many dozens of Romans 8:28 stories Having a support group and seeking help, no matter what you what, what your children are going through, as a parent, we need support systems. 
And fortunately, we had some good support systems through our church and in our community. Um, the right things that we needed to be good parents came along at the right time so we could help our kids. And I would encourage people uh, parenting any kind of child that they would get the help to be the best parents they can. The rewards are immense. Yeah. And having that kind of support, I, I would say, is, is probably a really vital thing to have. Because if you, you know, if you don't have a community of support around you, you can kind of get to a place where you think you're the only one that's having this struggle and there's no, you know, you can feel hopeless if you really don't know how to deal with it. Absolutely. I don't know how single parents do it without the Lord giving them some insight Mm -hmm. and people who struggle on their own and don't get connected with the church or some other support group. It just makes things so much better if you have people to talk to and people with experiences that can help you. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book. Just think there are a lot of helps out there. And um, hopefully my book is one that will help people in parenting, whether their kids have disabilities or not. So then the the type of person that is going to receive the most help from your book is not necessarily someone who's a foster parent. It would really be, would, would you say your main focus is for those who are foster parenting or pretty much any type of parent? When I, when I started writing the book and putting things down, that was my focus. But I've had enough of people read the book and give me feedback that they're especially my older friends, I've heard a, a number of them just say, boy, I wish I would have had this book while I was raising my own kids, because I try to be open about what my wife and I went through, where we made mistakes, and what we did that was helpful. And mm. I think it's for anybody that wants to be a parent, or is a parent. And be a better parent, any, right? <laughs> uh, that's my hope. And at any developmental stage, I loved working with teenagers. That's what I did as an educator for 42 years. I I taught math and I was a high school counselor. And my wife, she's at the other end of the spectrum. She she loves babies and working with little kids. There's something for everybody at every stage in the book. Awesome. So if you could, Jim... Give our listeners uh, a tip or a tool that has helped you in your journey of foster parenting and parenting children with, you know, just different struggles. What can you share that would help others remember that God really is working behind the scenes, working all things together for good, even if it doesn't seem like it's happening? Wow. That's a big question. And the first thing that came to my mind was something I, I shared with a lot of the teenagers with I, that I worked with, is I encouraged them not to make their decisions based on their feelings, because our feelings go up and down. We're on this roller coaster our whole life. Make decisions based on thoughts and what you think is the right thing to do for a Christian 
it's following God's word and getting counsel from mature Christians, finding out what's going to be the best in the long run. And if a person were to ask a teenage girl who just got pregnant, whose boyfriend took off and said, forget it, I'm not going to be involved with the kid, ask her the question, is it best to make decisions on feelings or to use logic and what's best in the long run? And people will usually realize you've got to use wisdom and get wisdom from other people around you. Right. And I'll, so bet, you, I'll bet that concept of asking questions as opposed to just preaching to them is probably much more effective. Well put. As a counselor, I couldn't preach to my students. So helping them come to conclusions of what's the best interest for them in the long run was a part of the joy of working with kids. Mm, I love that. I don't so, know if I answered your question at yes, all. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. Thank you so much. So if, as we wrap up, if we have some people listening today that want to connect with you online or on social media, where's the best place for them to do that? So a friend of mine from church helped me create a website and that's actually the best place to go Okay. Because I have an email on that site. Okay. Do you want What's me the... to give you this site? Yes, please. www.jimmcconnellbooks.com. So Jim Perfect. Well, I will also list that in the, the post when the podcast goes live so people can click on it from there. And thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your story and just some of the experiences you've had in raising kids, especially foster kids and, and just how that God has blessed that. Just thank you so much for your time and we will continue to pray for your ministry. Athena, I really appreciate that. And thank you. You bet. Did you know that the Bible tells us in Proverbs 28, 1, that the righteous are bold as a lion? And you know what lions do, right? They roar. So the She Writes for Him team wants to help you fine tune your roar. If God has redeemed you and given you something to declare that points to his faithfulness, then he will also give you a strategy for reaching the hearts of your readers. It's never too early or too late to begin or revisit your branding and marketing plan for the message God has given you. We are super excited to announce Roar 2021 our second She Writes For Him virtual conference of the year, and it's coming up May 14th and 15th. You may already be published in the process, or the book idea might even just still be in your head. No matter, there are basics to accomplish in order to establish your platform, more advanced tips and tools to expand your reach, 
and even some relaunch techniques to help give your previously published message new traction in the marketplace. We have an incredible faculty lined up to help you take that next step. Whether it's a one sheet or a book launch or a podcast or a giveaway to help build up your email list, we will deliver interactive sessions with the experts and laser focused workshops to build the tools you need. You will walk away with a master plan that you can use to build or expand your platform so that you can effectively provide hope and healing to others. For all the details and to take advantage of a special discount, visit SheWritesForHimRoar.com and we hope to see you there. And before we bring on our second guest, let me give him a proper introduction. Don Boudreau served in the United States Army from 66 to 69 and is a Vietnam combat veteran fighting in Vietnam from 67 to 68. He was honorably discharged after being severely wounded and he received a purple heart for his service. Don came to know Jesus in 1975 and is called a prophet and seer of the Lord. He received training in prophetic ministry from a church affiliated with Christian International and was ordained and licensed as a minister after graduating from Reba from Rima Bible Training Center in 2005. Residing in his home state of Louisiana with his wife, Sheila of 44 years, who also is a prophetess and minister. They have been lovers of Jesus Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit for as long as they have been married. Together, they are dedicated to ministering and equipping others with truth and hope through prophetic ministry. Don is a proud father of six and a grandfather of 10. And I love it when I can share a few little known facts. Don's last name, Boudreaux, is French and means messenger army. He raced homing pigeons for a short time as a hobby. He lives in an area where boiled crawfish is popular and a beloved food in southern Louisiana, but he's allergic to it. He has a blind son who recently worked and ministered in the nation of Kajurkistan. All right, let's roll that conversation. Well, Don, I have been looking forward to our time together, so I am super excited about introducing you to our listeners on the All Things Podcast. So welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so very much, and praise the Lord Jesus Christ for everything that you're doing. Amen. So what prompted you to write Vietnam and Christianity? And who do you think will benefit most from reading your book? Well, first of all, about 30 years ago, Holy Ghost, forgive me for my emotions. Holy Ghost moved upon me to write a book. And I told the Lord, I said, I said, I need confirmation on that. Hmm. And 30 years later, this prophetess came up to me who I never knew at all. And she said, the Lord told me to tell you to write the book and to go on the radio. So I wrote the book. 
<laughs> Bottom line. Nice. And who do you think will benefit most from reading the book? I'm hoping, first of all, that veterans would uh, benefit from it, and particularly combat veterans mm -hmm. would benefit from it, and as well as Christians, because there, I believe that there are a lot of Christians that don't do warfare. They just let the enemy run rampant over their lives, and they don't fight. Right. So that's my. That's that's one of the the things that uh, my wife and I we our ministry right now is called Truth Ministries, and whenever I get a chance to preach, I preach the truth, because Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but by me." And Jesus said as well, He says, "Father, Thy word is truth," and He also said. I'm sending you the spirit of truth. So Holy Ghost that lived us is truth. Mm. And we, if we're in the army of God, we don't need to be thinking like civilians, right? Exactly right. Hmm. Exactly right. Okay. So your book states that there is a phenomenal correlation between your service in Vietnam and your life as a born-again believer. Can you explore that for us? Why do you think that's the case? Well, first of all, I asked Holy Ghost, when I started writing it, I asked Holy Ghost to help me out to remove things that went on in Vietnam. And being a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I asked him to help me out remember the scriptures. So what, what, what I believe goes on as sons of the living God, is that the enemy fights us and he does it like what went on in Vietnam because it was a guerrilla warfare. Mm -hmm. And a guerrilla warfare, the, you didn't see the enemy coming at you. They would hide and do this and they would, they would, they would hit you and run, you know? And yep. that's what I believe that the enemy does. And when you're least expecting it, that's when the enemy is going to hit you. And the enemy is the devil. He, he, he does not play fair. Right. It's not like conventional warfare, right? That's exactly right. You can see that's out in the open, right? Right. I mean, at times we had, you know, it was, well, not with us. At, at times, some people, like in World War II, it was more of a conventional warfare. Right. But And even Korea was most of the way a warfare, but not Vietnam. It was, I mean, they had some, sometimes they got hit with conventional warfare, like in uh, play coup and uh, in way, you know, like they were fighting uh, house to house over there in way to take the city back, but not right. with us. Warfare with us. And, that's the way it went on. And that's the way Holy Ghost wanted me to more or less portray humanity. Yep. It's, that's a, such a great parallel. And it's so important for believers to understand it. But if we haven't been in, you know, actual combat, how would we know it? We wouldn't. Unless you tell us, right? That's exactly that's a that's a good 
That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. But for warfare now, um, and forgive me, uh, Athena, because scripture is popping up in my head. Holy Ghost is just giving it to me. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty yep. through God to the pulling down of strongholds. In other words, you, you cannot fight me with M16s or 50 caliber machine guns. Yep. It's a spiritual warfare. And you, we have to learn that. And, and all the weapons he talks about in Ephesians 6. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is so it. And, you know, we it it seems to me that we either go as civilians and who, who don't know, understand warfare. We either see a demon under every doorknob at one extreme or we think, oh, you know, the devil made me do it. The Flip Wilson mentality. Yes. Which means he's not real, but that's not true. Oh, no, it's not true at all. Uh-uh. <laughs> wow. That's why one, one of the weapons of our warfare, I believe that the, uh, is a discerning of spirits. Well, yep. you can discern good spirits or you can discern wicked spirits as well. Right, right. And people and the enemy and the enemy will use people to come against you. Yes, he will, won't he? <laughs> and, and the bottom line is, that, uh, I mean, Father God is so beautiful that he allows everything to come. Yep. He'll allow the enemy to come against you because uh, like the story with Job in the Bible. Yep. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand that. We, we've got to come to understanding and we've got to read God's word and study God's word to find out exactly what he wants. Yep. And he does want to teach us to fight. Yes. <laughs> Yes, the Apostle Paul said, I, f- I fought the good fight of faith. Yep. Past yep. tense, fought. And mm-hmm. to fight the good fight of faith, you, you, I mean, it's a fight. Yep. Oh, this is good. So I understand that your book takes some of your experiences in Vietnam and correlates them to scripture. Can you give me an example of one experience that you had in Vietnam and how it ties in with the word? Let's see. Um, one of the experiences I had in Vietnam is that we attacked, and it was about two or two one one or two o'clock in the mornings. Like I said, the enemy comes when you least. Yep. And well, I said to myself, I said, uh, I'm not going to let anybody on my tank. At the time, I was on a tank, mm-hmm. and I fired. Uh, uh, 1,050 caliber machine gun rounds and 17 cannon rounds. And my company commander told me, uh, that's too much. You, 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 you shot too much. I said to myself, I said, yeah, but nobody got on my tank, but the enemy, he, he comes and you're not going to expect it. He'll, he'll, he'll use, like I said earlier, he use other people to come after you. And he said, well, you know, they, they'll attack you. And being a prophet of God, a seer, as God had called me to be that, there are many times that, I, that I'll come and I'll give a word to somebody, an individual, and they're not going to like it at all. 
So the enemy is going to use that and he's going to come and, and start to speak to the person that's against me and say, well, you didn't hear from God on that right there. I said, look, you you believe whatever you want to believe, but I did hear from Holy Ghost. So the enemy is going to use all those tactics to try and discourage men and women of God from ever exercising their assignment. You, we, we've got assignments. Each and every one of us have assignments from the Most High God, and we just have to go after them. Mm. So let me ask you a question uh, on that regard. Do you see the, like, it just seems like it's everywhere now where those are, people are prophesying, uh, you know, peace, peace, and there is no peace. They're prophesying good. Oh, you're going to win and you're a winner and all of that kind of prosperity gospel, which kind of hijacks i mean god does give words to his people and he uses other people who have that gift but it seems like a lot of what i see out there is not really speaking truth that sometimes will offend and make us uncomfortable and make us really think about what we're doing and maybe repent what do you see in that world well i i think in that a lot of people that call themselves prophets that speak only good, but the Bible, the Bible is clear about in Romans 11, and I think it's in the 23rd verse. I might be mistaken with that, but the the and I'm paraphrasing it. He says they they speak the goodness of God and only the goodness of God, but they withhold the severity of God. Mm-hmm. So and and the scriptures in the Old Testaments. And they speak peace, peace when I didn't say peace at all. Right. Right. God is clear about that. And, you know, he tells, oh, no, if, if anybody's going to be a prophet and say that, well, you don't need to hear that prophet. You can kill that prophet. You know, yeah. Yeah. Just do away with that guy. You don't want a prophet like that. And, and, and this is the thing that I've learned about prophets, what they, what they need to be doing if they're true prophets, is only hear what Holy Ghost has to say about any situation. It makes no difference at all. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you know, they'll, they'll, and, and what I've learned is that even prophets of God can be influenced by other men, other women, God saying this and saying that, but we, yep. we cannot do that. Not we have exactly. to only be influenced. That's right. We have to only be influenced by the most high God. He's the one that rules. This is the Bible says that the earth is God's and the fullness thereof. Right. I know that the enemy, he's a, the prince of this world, but he's a prince. God yep. is the king. Yep. And, and I would think, and I don't have the gift of prophecy. So, I, you know, I mean, I would think it would have to be a struggle when you look at all the prophets in the Old Testament, they were not prophesying happy times. I mean, they were prophesying, you know, you better repent. This is bad news. This is bad what you're doing. And I would think from a, you know, I mean, our flesh wants people to like us. And I would think that would be a struggle for someone who is called to speak the truth like that. 
it'd be tempting to want to give good reports and happy words because people will like you then. The Bible talks about in Matthew 10, okay? And the Lord Jesus Christ is very specific with that right there. Now, this is hardcore, okay? But he says, mm -hmm. but he says, you think that I came to bring peace. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I brought mm. a sword. And yeah. he's, he's talking about family members. And he says, if you, and, and I'm paraphrasing, okay? Yeah. Because you were talking about friends. You were talking about people that want to, you know, befriend you and everything like that. But Jesus says, if you regard, I'm going to use it and I'm paraphrasing it again. And it starts with the 30. He said, if you regard father or mother or daughters, and I'm paraphrasing again, better than me, then you're not worthy of me. Mm -hmm. That's hard. Yeah. What do you what did you think? What are you gonna do when people my my wife told somebody that already? And she says, Oh, I can't do that. And this is a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. The the whole thing is that we have to regard father as being number one. Yep. And, you know, when we're, I am kind of a people pleaser. I mean, I just kind of have that is part of who I am. I just want people yes. to be happy. And yes. that's, we, we can't, I mean, that's just a worldly attitude. We have to want them to be reconciled with God and do his will. Yes. And sometimes that means saying things that are not easy to hear. Well, this is this is what I believe, it, and it's found in Ephesians, Ephesians, in the fourth chapter, in the fifteenth verse. The, the, the Paul writing to the Ephesians says, speaking the truth in love, that we might grow up in Him in all things. And I'm paraphrasing again. Amen. So, Don, tell me this: What does it mean to be a warrior of God? To be a warrior of God, to me, the Bible talks about intercession. The Bible in Romans 8 talks about Holy Ghost interceding for on our behalf and the Lord Jesus Christ interceding for on our behalf. Mm -hmm. and, and there are two intercessors I'm very familiar with, biblically speaking. One was Moses, because God was going to kill them all. Mm -hmm. When he, he was going to hey, get out of the way, Moses, I'm going to do these guys in because they're disregarding what I did for them already. Moses says, oh, no, don't do that, Lord. They're going to talk about you if you do that. And Abraham, before Moses, he interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah because mm -hmm. he wanted, because his nephew Lot was in, uh, I think uh, it was Sodom. And Sodom and Gomorrah were filled with a nothing but a bunch of homosexuals and perverts. Mm -hmm. And God sent fire and brimstone to Sodom and Gomorrah and also the surrounding cities. And on top of all that, the, the Lord Jesus Christ with two angels was sent to Abraham. Yep. I'm getting emotional again about that. That, that, that is so phenomenal. Yeah. Because that we we call that a Christophany. The Lord Jesus Christ told Abraham, how can I hide this from Abraham, who is a friend of God? 
I'm not going to hide what I'm going to do, Abraham. Hmm. But Abraham interceded anyway. If you can, if you can find, if you can, I, I went all the way. I think I went from 50 to 10, you know, that are, are righteous people. If you can find that many in, in those cities right here, then don't destroy them. He couldn't find right. 10. So he destroyed them both. So the warrior of God is one who is Intercede. willing to do whatever, intercede and just do whatever God says. That's exactly right. Uh, I, I hope I was, I hope I answered your question properly. Uh, uh, sometimes I take off. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Okay. So how have you experienced spiritual warfare in your life and how do you battle it? I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question, Athena, and I hope okay. I'm all right. And ask: are you uh, spirit filled? Do you speak in tongues? I am spirit filled and I do happen to speak in tongues. Although I do not believe that you, I mean, I believe you can have the spirit without speaking in tongues because Paul says not everyone yes. speaks in tongues. So yes. Yeah. Uh, that's, 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 like, you can be born again and not be spirit filled. Yes. And you can be spirit filled without speaking in tongues. Just saying, but that's okay. okay. We don't need to go there right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that's one of the ways that I do spiritual warfare is speaking in tongues, praying in tongues. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's right. And that's part of it. And then I, because I believe in found in Romans eight, again, how, you know, the spirit gives us on how to pray. My mind is if I pray in tongues and I cease because I believe I believe that Holy Ghost told me to stop praying in tongues and I listen. Then Holy Ghost begins to tell me how to pray and what to pray for, who to pray for and how to pray again. Mm. That's the way I do spiritual warfare. OK. And so so let me ask you this, because I've been moved just with how when the enemy, when Satan came to Jesus, you know, after the 40 days in the, in yes. the wilderness. And the way Jesus did warfare was he just quoted scripture at him. That's another way too, as well. Yep. Yep. And it's a powerful way. It is a powerful way because scriptures, that's the word of God. That's God's word. That's yep. another thing. People don't believe that it is God. Pastor Jimmy Lopez, that was our pastor in Oklahoma when we lived in Oklahoma for eight years, he would say that it God's word is God speaking to you. And I believe that with all my heart. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. Okay. So we're, um, we're actually going to, I had a couple other questions I wanted to ask, but we're kind of running out of time. So I want to ask you this last one. Have you suffered with any PTSD as a result of your time in Vietnam? And if so, how does your relationship with the Lord and Jesus help you cope with that? Well, it's the Lord Jesus Christ has helped me out with it. I've had nightmares when I first got back from Nam, And uh, when I first got out of the army, rather, I've had nightmares, cold sweats. And I would put my anger issues because I would put my fists through the walls. And my that beautiful woman that God had given me, she's my true help me. She said, baby, there's something wrong. So mm -hmm. we 
to a psychiatrist, a VA psychiatrist, and they weren't any help. And I'm not casting any thing on psychiatrists for the VA, but we had to go out. We had to go to an outside source. And immediately he told me, he said, oh, yeah, you got 30% PTSD as well. But the way I cope with it is that it took many, many years for Holy Ghost to deliver me from anger issues and this and that and that issue and that issue. And uh, I've had panic attacks. That's many years after Vietnam. So the PTSD just lasts. It doesn't go away, but Holy Ghost has helped me and delivered me from that dread thing for a long time. And he is still delivering me. It's ongoing. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing, you know, that it's so important as we process through those triggers and all of those different aspects from the trauma that manifests as post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, God takes us one at a time. It doesn't just you know, I mean, I've seen veterans have amazing, like, night and day when they got saved. But then there's still lots of stuff that's there that as we grow up in the Lord and ha- and just as we go through our lives, he heals a little bit at a time. It's a process. Indeed, it is a process. And, you know, the Bible says that we we go from glory to glory. And that's what you're talking about, that as well as the process. I don't care if a person is a, a combat veteran or not. You you can only go from glory to glory because you're not going to get the whole feel. Because yep. God, he's God. He knows it all. He's The Bible says that he is omniscient, all-knowing, and yep. omnipresent, all-present, and yep. omnipotent, all-powerful. Never going to become as he is, you know. Until he comes back and transforms all of his bride. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine a dude saying that he's a part of the bride of Christ? (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. I love that. Okay. Okay. So if we have some people listening today and they want to connect with you, maybe they have a husband or a loved one who is a Vietnam veteran and they're, and they just want, you know, to, to connect with you and somehow learn more about your ministry. Um, what's the best way for them to do that? Is it on social media, on website? What's the best way? Probably. And, and Josh was my manager. I know you talked to him. He has the, uh, the, uh, whatever, whatever you call it, but his email is Don. For truth at gmail.com. You got all and that. So is that the number four or F O R? The number. Okay. So Don D O N, the yes. number four truth at gmail.com. Yes, ma'am. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Well, thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So, hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would, consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media. And if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, 
I would love it if you would take a minute to do that as it would help other people find the show and also let them know that it's a show worth listening to. So thanks so much for joining us today and I will see you next week. Bye for now.